Welcome to episode 1007. It's Monday, January 26th, and you're listening to The Geek at Geek News Central. This show is sponsored in part by GoDaddy.com and listeners just like you. Pick up a domain name for just $1.49 or get 30% off your next purchase at GoDaddy.com. All my GoDaddy specials can be found at GeekNewsCentral.com forward slash GoDaddy. Start supporting this show today by becoming a GNC Insider at GeekNewsCentral.com forward slash Insider. Geek News Central is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Hey, folks, got a great show lined up for you. Lots to talk about, lots of tech, some soapbox time as well. You know what comes next. Strap in. Here it comes. All right, people, I need a go, no go for the Geek News Central podcast. Digital archive recorders. We're go flight. Microphone. We're go flight. Video feed. Go. Web browser. Go. RSS data stream aggregator. Go flight. Interflux totism suppressor. All right. I'm confused. Host readiness check. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. The Geek News Central podcast is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are ready to go. Cue Todd in... Five. Button, button, who's got the button? Four. There is no cause for alarm. Three. Everybody hold on to something. Two. Just press the button. One. It's showtime. Aloha and welcome to Geek News Central. Of course, my name is Todd Cochran. Absolutely pleasure to be here with you. And I know many of you on the East Coast are like snowed in. (laughs) So I hope some of you stayed up late to watch the show instead of watching the snow. And if you're not in a snowstorm, I know you're probably listening to this later, which is just fine. But uh, 24, 36 inches of snow and like 24 hours, simply insane. Um, I will here to tell you, <laughs> just to make you feel wonderful, um, 70 degrees. I'm wearing shorts, no socks, no shoes, and a nice polo shirt with the fan running and the window open. So this is the only time of year that I get a little bit of uh, happiness that I'm paying the uh, paradise tax of living here in Honolulu. But besides that, enjoy the snow, enjoy the time off, and hopefully your power stays on or did stay on. And let's hope everyone makes it through uh, through safe. But for the rest of the Ohana, hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of the family. And of course, thanks for being subscribed to the show. Lots happening, almost too much to mention. But one thing we do want to do is we want to make sure that you take time. If you're brand new to the show, I want you to get over to geekingcentral.com because this is the time of year where we're just shoveling information at you uh, day in and day out with all the coverage that we recorded at uh, at CES. We're still putting stuff up. Uh, the stuff goes up relatively at an even pace. And the reason it does is we try not to overwhelm you. And plus, uh, the writing team uh, is a little bit overwhelmed at this point. So they're getting stuff out as they can, and I'm greatly appreciative. I want to just bring up a couple of articles. And of course, the more important thing, I guess, before we talk about the articles is I want you to subscribe to the show. And it's in the second column of the website, Big Fat I, I, on iTunes a link and also via RSS. If you do not understand how to actually subscribe to a show on your mobile device, click on the more subscription options. That's going to take you to a secondary page. It's going to give you a lot of information on how to subscribe to the audio or video part of the program so that you can uh, really get the show directly in your mobile device every time we release it every Tuesday and Friday morning. 
We want you to sign up for the newsletter as well. That way you'll get the show notes delivered directly to your inbox. That's on the main page at geeknewscentral.com as well. As you guys can see, for those of you that are watching and for those of you that are listening, some of the articles that have come up in the last couple of days, the Zolt Charger Plus is ready for your power-hungry devices. That was an interview that was done by, uh, by Chris Davis. Uh, at one of the vendor office. And then we have the Kodak Pix Pro SP360, which was done by, um, I believe it was Marlo from the Tech Ranch. No image in there. Also announcement about the new Roku TV. This is really a TV that you can get for $299. It's available um, on Amazon at 50 bucks off. It's a 40-inch television. This is 100% driven by, by Roku. And we'll actually have some stuff later in Roku. Also, we have an update on LiDAR, and of course, LiDAR is what's being used in automated vehicles for driving, basically automated driving. And then we've got something for those of you that are basketball fanatics, shot tracker, baseball performance, basketball performance, and it basically tracks how many shots you're making, a relatively inexpensive device. And one of the most uh, amazing products I saw at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show was Up Fuel Cell. And uh, what this is, is a, it's by a company called Intelligent Energy. And it's a hydrogen fuel cell. Um, I was absolutely blown away. And in this uh, particular product, got one of our TPN picks. So all this stuff is available right now at geeknewcentral.com. All these are fresh articles that have gone up. All these are informative stuff that you're going to find out from uh, information that, that uh, we basically covered at the show. So definitely get over to geeknewcentral.com. Of course, uh, the other team members' content, is being cross-posted over at tpn.tv. So make sure you get over there. You want to subscribe to all this. That way you'll never miss a single episode. We take and spend a huge, 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 huge amount of money. And I think this year's uh, budget, which we originally set about $12,000, I think is ultimately going to be about $16,000 to bring you um, all the content that we did in Vegas. So uh, uh, definitely view it, click it, watch it. Give us feedback. It's definitely appreciated. Of course, I, I am absolutely grateful for the team of writers here at Geek News Central, and I want to thank them for the hours of hours that they're putting in, and uh, I'm definitely appreciative. But, hey, if again, uh, if you got comments about anything about the show tonight, definitely you can follow me on Twitter at Geek News. And, of course, you can email me here, geeknews at gmail.com is a place to uh, go to really drop me a line if you have a comment, if you have a link to a cool article. Whatever it may be, plus minus the show, it, it, it's it's all good. That's the contact. That's the place to reach the geek here at Geek News Central. It's at geeknews at gmail.com. I would be remiss without saying don't forget about all of our other shows. When you're on geeknewscentral.com, they're all at the top. We've got a great lineup of podcasts that you can listen to. Health Tech Weekly, The New Media Show, The Gadget Professor, The Elder Divide, Robot Underpants, and of course our GNC special media events, which includes the CES stuff. So definitely get over to the site, check out all our partners and all the uh, podcasters over there. Get subscribed to their shows. That's easy to do on the website as well. Okay, what else? Um, bada bing, bada boom here. Uh, follow us on uh, Google+, Facebook. And, of course, we want to make sure that you get a chance to watch us kicking back in your lazy boy. Just load the tech podcast channel on your Roku and you're all set, okay? All right, I want to thank GoDaddy for being a longtime sponsor here at Geek News Central. Matter of fact, uh, the check came so the lights can stay on. And this, uh, tell you the, the, the delay. This is the actual check from, uh, from November. 
So here we are in, this is from November's, um, uh, for what you guys, basically the, the, the um, um, you know, the business you drove over there, um, that just arrived today. So it just gives you an idea here. It's uh, just about 60 days. So um, the lights are still on and it's because of GoDaddy. And I want you guys to take a real close look at all the promo codes that we've made available to you. And uh, I'm waiting still to find out if there's going to be a Super Bowl special where we can save you a bunch of cash uh, during the Super Bowl time frame. Have not heard yet, but uh, here's here's the skinny. Uh, GNC 30 will save you 30% off on new orders. Geek 149 will get you .com for $1.49. GNC Got will get you a domain name, website builder, Microsoft Outlook email address for a dollar per month for 12 months. Press 4 and Geeks 12 will get you a dollar a month, WordPress hosting and economy hosting, both with a free domain. So these are all great deals. We got 50% off on hosting accounts. We even got some business products uh, basically there to publish and get your information at the top of sites like Google and Facebook. Uh, there's really a code there for every listener of this show. And uh, as I said, Valentine's Day is coming up. And uh, hook your honey up. Make her a page. Put some of your favorite pictures up. You know, make it, uh, you know, just come up with a, you know, pick a weird domain. Uh, you know, maybe not a weird domain, but maybe it'd be um, your and her name, uh, you know, something else.com. And it can be something that you keep private so that only she can get access to and uh, put up a WordPress blog, make it a picture blog from one of the templates and then just load, uh, load some pictures up. And it's a great way to say I love you with a very low yearly price. And you can update it on an ongoing basis. So it's something that uh, you can uh, continue to attract turn it over your kids or at some point if the relationship doesn't work you just delete it <laughs> uh, it all depends on you know what's going on but different strokes are different folks but all the promo codes again are geeknesscenter.com forward slash godaddy you can click on the links on the main website as well and, and when you do that bam it's going to lock the code in it's going to tell right at the top bar on the website special offer 30 percent. it's going to give you the limitations if there are any and it's going to put you on the right page to get started to save cash. Don't forget about these new top-level domains like .rocks, .church, .guru, .club, .army, .attorney. Lots of new domains coming online all the time, top-level domains. I've got some .guru ones that I'm going to start developing here soon. And a new show that uh, another podcaster and I are going to launch on gear. But uh, anyway, that's what we got for GoDaddy. Thanks for GoDaddy for being a longtime sponsor here at geeknewcentral.com. And we appreciate their ongoing support. Okay, what else in my short stack here tonight? Hey, I got an email from Sean. We're going to issue him a, uh, a PayPal payment. I've got the uh, um, amount that I have to send over, so I'll probably actually even do that after the show tonight. Also, an update on the GNC 1000 giveaways. The, the pr actual physical prizes have been ordered. I actually have the physical Visa uh, cash cards in my hand. So I'm going to try to get the Visa uh, cards mailed tomorrow, but the uh, actual product stuff has been ordered and is shipping. So you should see that in the next couple of days. I was able to get that knocked out. One last thing, I'm, I'm here just doing business-wise. I got 1099s to get out. They're ready to go. I got one guy that hasn't sent me his uh, W-9 yet. So Langley, if you're listening, <laughs> I need your W-9. So send that to me as soon as possible. And then we'll get the 1099s punched out. Uh, and then that way everyone can file their taxes. But um, 
our Japanese guest has left and went back to Japan. So we're back to kind of normal here um, in the household. I'm actually starting to finally kind of unstack and, and get caught up just a little bit. So uh, that's good. And of course, our video editing continues. I've got, I'm into day three of the uh, booth coverage. So I think within the next day or so, I'll have it all done and it'll all be up to be, uh, to be written up. A lot of videos. We did a lot this year. Um, so it's a lot to get through. But uh, I'm still looking for writers. Even if you want to write short, you know, basically for a short period of time for us, good opportunity to make some major money here um, in a very short period of time. So if you've got some writing skills and you want to just kind of help us out here in the, in the short term, um, I can probably keep you busy for the next three or four weeks, maybe pull down a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks, something like that. So definitely drop me a line, geeknews at gmail.com. And again, uh, want someone that actually can write. So send me some examples or, you know, convince me that you can do it and uh, we'll get you on. And even if it's for a short term, we uh, we need to, to get the articles up and on the street. And we're just uh, it's just the team is just overloaded. That's what it kind of boils down to. So we're just going to add more bodies as we can. The Podcast Awards nomination is still going on. I was kind of informed I may actually not be eligible this year. Um, we'll see how it turns out in the wash. If you guys want to go ahead and nominate me, that's fine. Uh, Rick was thinking, uh, talking with him on the new media show that I might be just a little bit too close to the process yet to be able to be accepted to, in the nomination stack. If I was, you know, so, uh, you know, basically was, um, got to the point where it would be, uh, where I would make the list. But if you've nominated the show, it's fine. If not get over there and nominate all your favorite shows at podcastboards.com. I think there's about nine days left on the nomination period. Of course, on New Media Show, we had Rick Calvert on from New Media Expo and talked about the podcast awards. So that was past Saturday. That that shows up and online. So that's kind of it on the stack of stuff for news tonight. We're going to continue to move right into the tech because I've got a ton. And I, I must apologize. I've noticed the last two shows that I got a little carried away. And I think I was being a little overzealous just getting back in the swing of things. And uh, I'm not going to overwhelm you again tonight. I think there was uh, about... 10 too many articles on the last show. So I've, I've sized it down a little bit so we can stay um, in the time constraints of the show. So anyway, let's talk. And I'm going to, I got to go on my soapbox and uh, really I need a jingle soapbox time with Todd or something. And I read something today that, you know, we've talked about a number of topics recently that have been <sighs> disturbing at best. And, um, the uh, the thing that really pisses me off is that we as consumers and as voters and um, even from a local um, city, state, a national, you know, perspective, you know, oftentimes our voices are completely drowned out. And the big companies, and we're going to pick on Comcast again tonight. Um, the big companies have such big dollars and such huge staffs and people that are dedicated to do lobbyist efforts, to do uh, community reach out to officials, all this stuff. When I read today that politicians are supporting Comcast, Time Warner Cable merger with letters that have been ghost written by Comcast. Now, you're hearing me correctly. Politicians 
are supporting Comcast Time Warner Cable's merger with letters ghost written by Comcast. Two sites did a great job. Uber Gizmo wrote a great write-up, and so did the folks over The Verge. So I have both their write-ups on the um, on the website. But here's the thing that really irks me. And, and if you live in this town, you would be upset as well. On August 21st, Mayor Jerry Wood of Roswell, Georgia, sent a letter to the FCC expressing empathetic support for the Comcast controversial effort with Time Warner Cable. Not only did the mayor's letter express personal excitement for the deal, which critics will say create a monopoly, which I agree too, that also I agree will harm consumers, but also claimed that the entire town of Roswell, Georgia, adored Comcast. When Com- and here's his, here's his quote. He quotes, when Comcast makes a promise to act, it is comforting to know that they will always follow through, unquote. Wood's letter explained. This is the type of attitude that makes Roswell proud to be involved with such a company. The letter asserts, our residents are happy with the services it is provided and continue to provide each day. Now, if he wrote that, he's entitled to his opinion. Neither Jerry Wood, the mayor, or anyone representing Roswell residents wrote this letter to the FCC. Instead, a vice president of external affairs of Comcast authorized the word for word letter in the mayor's voice that was sent to the FCC. Let's let's just think about that for just a second. Comcast wrote a letter for this mayor, gave it to him and said, can you mail this for us? And the mayor said, oh, Comcast, I'm I'm so in love with you. I will email it. Now, he added a single line to the bottom of the letter, didn't change anything else. And he put his signature. He put the mayor, an elected official, put his signature to the corporate PR document and then sent it to a federal regulators on the, get this, no, hold on, not on Comcast letterhead, on the official letterhead of Roswell, Georgia. The letter was part of what Comcast called an outpouring of thoughtful and positive comments in support of our proposed mega merger, which is now entering the final stages of federal review. Comcast asserted that numerous letters sent by local officials expressing support for the merger displayed its broad grassroots backing. They said, we are especially gratified for the support of mayors and other local officials. Comcast boasted this in an August 25th press release, underscoring the powerful benefits of this transaction for the city's constituents and customers. Oh, it doesn't stop there. A letter sent to the FCC by a town councilman from the small community of Jupiter, Florida, was in largely orchestrated by some of the biggest players in corporate telecom. Not only do records show that Comcast officials sent the councilman the exact wording of the letter he would submit to the FCC, but also that finishing touches were put on the letter by a former FCC official, Nate Rosemary Harold, who is now a partner at one of the nation's foremost telecom law firms in Washington, D.C. Comcast has 
enlisted Harold to help persuade her former agency to approve the proposed major. More prominent officials with histories receiving campaign money, campaign money from Comcast, like Oregon's Democrat Secretary of State Kate Brown, also recently sent personal letters to the FCC supporting the merger. Records obtained by The Verge show that Secretary of State Brown's letter to the agency was almost wholly written by Comcast Government Affairs Specialist. Since 2008, Comcast has contributed nearly $10,000 to this particular elected official's campaign. This has to be one of the most egregious things I have heard in a long, long, long time. Chicago's Mayor Ram Emanuel and the governors of Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Hawaii, of course, Colorado, Maryland, and Vermont all wrote letters to the FCC regarding the merger that cite both Comcast Internet Assessor Program, which discounts internet services to low-income customers in, in past or future local investment company. Oh, and, but it doesn't stop there. It's very amazing how many times when Comcast have done community outreach to nonprofits and done donations, that all of a sudden they have these like-minded letters that end up in the FCC's hands. I love what The Verge says here. It's sort of become an amusement park where this fake stuff outnumbers the real stuff. You know, you really need to do some digging, audience. You need to call your local town councils. You need to call your mayor's office. You need to call your state representative office and get them on record asking them if they wrote personal letters to the FCC in support of Comcast. If they come back and say they do, then you need to go back and ask those same groups, did you write it yourself or did you get Comcast to write the letter for you? You cannot, how many, you, you can't, you can't, well, they did. They bought, in my opinion, they bought this kind of outpouring of love and support for the merger. And the sick and sad thing about this is I am sure this happens in every industry. It's like, it's like my, my blog. Every day I get this email. Hey, Todd, you got great content on your website. Do you take guest posts? And when I get people that call me or email me two, three times a day asking to do guest posts on my website, which I always say, no, we have paid writers that write on Geek News Central. Do you want to buy advertising? You can buy advertising on the site, but we're not allowing you to come on and write a puff piece that will link back to some site that we may or may not support. I explicitly trust the writers at Geek News Central to put up great content. I never censor them. I never tell them what they can and cannot write. We have guidelines for stuff that we basically have, you know, for putting stuff out and, you know, images that we use and all that stuff. We are all above board. 
And I may even differ in opinion on one of my writers, but would I ever say anything? No. But to think, Comcast can just, you know, get the old writing team put together and write a letter for every (laughs) Dick, Tom, and Harry local official that is too lazy to write their own letter, but they want this massage political piece to get the most impact. What if Comcast wrote letters for every city in the United States that has their service? Every little outlying borough, township, every place where there's a connection and they get a little bit of tax money from them. Think about that for a second. What, what are we to do? Are, are, are we going to stand a chance? Is the FCC going to approve this merger and then we are going to have to live with the fallout from it with continued non-competition in this space? I fully, and I fully know that this, this merger is going to be approved. We're all kidding ourselves if we don't think it isn't. But what we can do is we can hold our local officials accountable for this kind of crap. It's absolutely irre. I, I just I can't imagine selling my soul like that. I can't. I cannot imagine being an elected official and betraying the community's trust. By I want to say something here that's not <laughs> that is not uh, child safe. You know, I would not want to be the elected official that would. Good old Comcast's rear end. <laughs> I could not live with myself. Could you? Could you guys live with this? It's like people get elected and they're like, oh, I'm the big man on town and I can do what I want to do now. And, uh, you know, tiddly-do, tiddly-da to the, uh, you know, to my constituents. Are there any, are there any honorary politicians left anymore? Are they all crooks? I think politicians, you know, I know we got a few lawyers that listen to this and, and, and being a lawyer is an you know, honorable profession, but you guys got a bad rap. <laughs> you know, are there any honest politicians left? I, I won't say what it's, I, I won't make the analogy. <sighs> I'm looking at the chat room. Jason says, great. I'm about to move to Comcast from CenturyLink because the speeds on CL are just crap. No files here. You know, it's just, Dale, what do you think? Are, are you even surprised? I just can't, I just, I'm just blown away. Freedom of Information Act, folks. You get the information, ask for Freedom of Information Act for any correspondence between Comcast and your local representatives. Get that, look at it. They have, you know, they can deny it, but then you know there's something's up. So, um, clearly, there's more going on behind the scenes than the public can comprehend. That's, that's the end statement. We are nothing but, but gnats. We are the sheep. We're the customers that keep on 
paying these idiots big money every month. Top of that, the cable companies don't want the FCC to push to redefine broadband. I think we all agree that we're like the FCC's proposal to upgrade the legal definition of broadband to 25 down and three up. I think we all could get on board with that as geeks that listen to this show. 25 down, three up. I think that should be for the for the United States of America. And I know we have people that listen to this show outside of the United States, and I'm not trying to discount you guys at all. But for the United States of America to have a national broadband standard that is what it is today is sickening and just absolutely underwhelming. We should have 25 down and three up at a bare minimum for every citizen of the United States. Make it available to them. But no, 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 no. We can't. We can't have that, according to the National Cable and Telecommunication Association. No, 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 no. It's too fast. Don't know. You can't redefine that. The NCTA has a vested interest in keeping the definition at the pokey four megs down and one meg up, as you see today. The FCC's proposal wouldn't force providers to upgrade all their offerings, but would make the companies look bad. Because 17% of Americans can't reach 25 megs and push them to more, offer more than rudimentary, I mean rudimentary, dark ages internet to people in rural areas. They don't want to spend the money to upgrade their networks. They want to keep the sheep uh, slow, low and slow. So I'm all for 25.3. I think that's a great next step. But uh, will they will they have the guts to do it? Will they have the guts to do it? Time will tell. Well, if AT&T can't be in the mon- monopoly in the United States, they're going to be a monopoly in Mexico. AT&T announced today they're going to acquire Nextel Mexico for $1.875 billion. And uh, that's an, an effort to create a massive North American mobile service that will be able to offer wireless access to 400 million people. The news comes from a few months after AT&T announced plans to buy another Mexico-based wireless carrier, Lucicel, for $2.5 billion. So, uh, whew, it's going to be all AT&T uh, in Mexico. That's just crazy. So, uh, they can't get it here. They're just going to go offshore and, and buy it. All right, I'm going to completely, I mean, like completely flip on you guys here. We're going to get off the negative <laughs> and the stuff that pisses me off and the stuff that excites me. Um, you guys know I put solar on the house. I told you my uh, first bill, not a full bill, was $132, $35, something like that. I'm very excited to see what my next bill is going to be, and I hope it's 16 or 17 bucks the minimum hookup fee. It may be a little bit less because, you know, we have uh, – Semi-winter here too, 10 degrees lower in clouds and rain. But down in Africa, and like many countries, they've skipped the landlines for mobile phones. But now a new generation of startups are trying to bring sun power to rural Africa and leapfrog the fossil fuel air. In Tanzania, they're starting now to roll out and this is, in again, rural areas don't have any electricity. They're bringing in um, solar panels and uh, basically getting people hooked up for like uh, uh, $11 a month. 
Um, it's a company called Empower. Uh, it costs $6 to sign up for their service. And they, would, they installed a fully functioning solar home system in their home enough to power several. So this isn't too big, but they enough to power several LED lights and a radio. The payoff was immediate. One family who had used to spend $18 a month on kerosene to light their house. Can they use kerosene lamps? Because that was the only opportunity. Now pays an average of $11 for her solar lighting, and she no longer has to go into town to charge her cell phone. The person most affected, though, may be her two-year-old daughter, Emily, who's afraid of the dark, and now she can leave a light on for her. So uh, this new light above her bed makes a huge difference. You know, I think we all have had kids have been scared of the dark, right? Until recently, the lack of electricity in many poor areas was seen as something of an, just a fact of life. Building power grids across long distance to reach remote communities was never going to happen. So now this solar energy movement is bringing kilowatts to previously unlit areas of Africa and changing lives of hundreds of thousands of people. This is, this is fantastic. So first it's going to be lights, radios. They all, many, many uh, Africans have cell phones. They can charge their cell phones without having to go to a store and pay someone to charge it. And um, then at some point, this will continue to grow over time. And maybe at some point they'll be able to have a computer, maybe a baseline computer or a tablet. Um, who knows what's going to happen if, and if Google puts satellites up and brings internet to the masses, this can be fantastic. So, um, the international energy agency, um, basically says that there's more than 1.3 billion, there's 1.3 billion people, one sixth of the world's population that basically has a lack of access to modern energy services. In Tanzania, 81% of the population live without electricity. Think of that. That's just an incredible number. And of course, those folks rely on candles, batteries, uh, CO2 emitting kerosene lanterns, and diesel generators to light their homes. And, you know, that's not good for the environment, burning all that stuff. So um, the uh, United Nations Environmental Program estimates that Africans spend between 12 and $17 billion a year on fuel-based lighting. In Asia, people spend 9 to $13 billion. So um, we know those fuels are dirty. So bringing this solar in and, and giving people basic, very basic electricity is just, to me, is incredible. And uh, she says she's not actually having problems with thieves as much anymore in her, her chicken house because she's able to keep a light on out there to so, you know, basically keep an eye on her on her chickens. So this is uh, this is big. And I'm, I'm just excited to see this kind of stuff uh, going. Well, this is an incredible article. I spent 15 minutes going through this is at csmonitor.com. I'll have the link up in the show notes. And uh, this kind of stuff really excites me that. You know, that uh, solar now, the, and, and they basically did a bunch of testing so that they would find the stuff that was most rugged and last the longest. And they have how they support is they have uh, people within the villages that are basically reps for the company that go around and fix it. They train villagers, pay them. So I, I, this is just, uh, it's just awesome. Oh, they also pay their bill with their cell phone. So uh, very, very cool. Link will be up in the show notes, of course. All right, there's a new um, app out there. It's called Wi-Fi Map. 
It's a crowdsourced list of routers and passwords. So this is pretty cool. Um, when you first open the app, Wi-Fi Map asks uh, your permission to access your location. It uh, it then basically tells you places that have either open or password protected Wi-Fi access. Um, that uh, and, and and passwords to go along with it. So if someone finds the password to a business that you know they've offered, you can be walking by and get access to the internet. Um, and it also um, there's a paid version. It allows for a greater set of listings and any save maps and access them online. So definitely check that out. Wi-Fi Maps is the name of the application. I don't know if it's Android or iOS. Let me look here. Uh, it's on both Google Play and on the iTunes App Store. So definitely check that out for those of you that are out and about a lot like I am. This one you're going to laugh about. There's an article on Fusion.net talking about some robots and specifically bots. Um there was a group that uh, developed something called the Random Darknet Shopper. It was an automated online shopping bot with a budget of $100 a week in Bitcoin programmed to do very specific tasks. He went around to particular marketplaces on the deep web and made one random purchase a week with the provided allowance. The purchases then were all, you know, basically they were designed to be shipped back to a location in Zurich, Switzerland. And, uh, <laughs> The uh, stuff that they got was pretty crazy. This thing just randomly went out and bought stuff. Okay, it it didn't uh, wasn't given you know it just basically was given a kind of like marching orders and went. So um, the concept would be pretty cool, and they were going to do an art display, except for one thing: programmers came home one day to find a shipment of ten ecstasy pills, followed by an apparently very legit falsified Hungarian passport. And uh, a whole bunch of other weird stuff. And um, so they put this a lot on display, all this weird stuff that the uh, the bot bought. And as soon as the uh, – and they did it in an art festival. And as soon as the art festival was over, uh, the Swiss authorities came in and seized <laughs> – the ecstasy and the uh and the passport um so uh the group's not very happy but it is kind of an interesting thing the bot was just so when you know it went out and bought got a i don't think any of us even if we tried could go out and find a a place to order a fake passport now not that i would want to go to that country but it looked like a very legitimate fake passport and you know, and, and it actually bought X too. So that's, you know, you're thinking to yourself, what did, where did this, uh, where did this bot go shopping at? Because I don't think I've ever seen that available on any website I've ever been on. But um, anyway, kind of a, a interesting antidote here to their little project. But uh, gave it 100 Bitcoins a week to spend. And at the peak of the Bitcoin craze, that could have been, you know, two, $3,000. So <laughs> I guess we know now what it costs to get a fake passport. All right, there's a great article on Associated Press uh, out of Havana. And uh, this is another one that, uh, you know, we're starting to see news out of Havana. And, of course, everything that's being played up right now is about what's happening there on the tech front. So uh, cut off from the Internet, young Cubans have uh, been linking thousands of computers into a hidden network that stretches miles across Havana, letting them chat with friends, play games, and download hit movies in a mini replica of the online world that most can't access. 
So home internet access connections uh, are banned for all but a handful of Cubans, and the government cha- charges nearly a quarter of a month's salary for an hour online in the government-run hotels and internet centers. As a result, p- most people on the island live offline. So these the small minority of geeks have uh, built a private network of more than 9,000 computers with a small, inexpensive, but powerfully hidden Wi-Fi antennas and Ethernet cables strung over streets and rooftops spanning entire the entire city. So they basically just ran their own internet connections between one another. They have a bunch of set of rules. The government knows it exists, and the reason they're able to kind of fly underneath the radar is they keep uh, adult material off. People can get banned from the network for uh, sharing adult material, and they're basically file sharing of movies and stuff is uh, um, uh, restricted to certain times. They do get in feeds of content. People sneaker net in uh, USB sticks or hard drives and bring in a weekly uh, dosage of new movies and television programs uh, from other countries. So they basically have some access. They even copy Wikipedia. Um, they uh, charge, how much do they charge? It's a few bucks a month. Uh, for people to have access to it, but it, it costs about two hundred dollars in equipment to join, and then you basically have to be able to run stuff. You know, you have to find a node to plug into. Can you imagine? I, I, love, I would just love to see the architecture of that thing because it, talk about an IP nightmare. Nine thousand people—they're uh, all running wires every which way. There has to be some semblance of organization. I would really love to see how the nodes work and how many you know interconnections they can have, um, what kind of speeds they're getting. But with 9,000 computers connected over the past five years and 2,000 users connected on any average day, this system called SNET, um, it, it's a, what's the word for SNET is uh, funny. Um, and maybe it's sneaker net or secret net or something like that. But uh, there's a sort of tactic in of understanding with officials. But uh, oh, it, how much does it cost? Joining SNET, yeah, they basically people have to have the resources to do it. About two hundred dollars in equipment. But uh, SNET, uh, they figure, has been built for about two hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment, connecting nine about nine thousand people. So it just it's cool. <laughs> and this kind of a interconnect. You know, you, you think about that for just you know we've talked about this in previous years in the show, you know, you got all your neighbors. They're all running high-speed internet, right? If we were all not so stupid, we would just can get connected with all our neighbors and we'd get 20, 30, 40, 50 of us together. And then we would bring in a big fat pipe and every person, we'd, we'd have our own ISP. And I don't understand why we don't do that more. I guess it's just easier to let Time Warner come in or Comcast instead of having to do it ourselves. But um, I always wondered why neighbors and stuff didn't all team up together and, and you know, consolidate resources with, uh, with the internet connectivity. Uh, I think as fiber comes in more, probably more people will allow more people to interconnect and so forth. All right, the EFS has got an article about uh, game plan for ending global mass surveillance. And uh, basically, this is a good write-up, and I'm going to let you guys read their the genesis of this, but they've re- the game plan is pretty simple. They're going to be doing a lot of pressure on technology companies to harden their system against surveillance. And uh, they're going to be going out to tech companies like uh, Google, AT&T, 
and a variety of different uh, folks to basically say, uh, Google, Facebook, Yahoo, Microsoft, we're, we want you to harden your systems up. Uh, whether or not that's going to work or not, I don't know. Uh, but they want to create a global movement that encourages user-side encryption as well. So th let the providers do it and also have the users do it. And uh, they've created what's called a surveillance self-defense. It's an in-depth resource that explains encryption to folks who may want to safeguard their data but have little or knowledge how to do it. So it's a little starter pack with links and so forth. This is a good article if you've been thinking about your security of your system. Just from a general standpoint, you'll definitely want to uh, to check this out. I have the link up in the show notes for you. All right. Well, we had a little uh, close brush here. We knew it was coming. Comet 67P. Oh, excuse me. Not Comet 67P. That's the that's the uh, one that's way, way out there. Uh, Comet 67P is uh, is starting to shed some of its outer coat of dusting as it starts to heat up as it's approaching the sun. And uh, they're getting a lot of good scientists off this. And uh, there's a good write-up on uh, The Verge on this as well. So I'll have that link up in the show notes. But uh, they're starting to collect samples on the satellite that's you know basically offset from the... Uh, uh, from the comet itself, but uh, scientists are about getting themselves into a frenzy here because they know they're going to be in for a heck of a show as this thing uh, starts getting closer to the sun and is exposed to more sunlight. They're also hoping that the little the little robot that's on the surface will uh, start to unthaw and be recharged and basically call home the mama. So we'll see what happens there, but uh, I'll have the link up the show notes on that. We'll have a lot more news on that as we go on. So how many of you have gotten a, uh, an Android device that you have rooted and have the Cinegen loader on it? I know many of you probably do. And if I pronounce that wrong, sue me. But the Cinegen CEO says he wants to take Android away from Google. That's a pretty strong statement. CEO, Kirk, C CEO Kurt McMaster has big plans. He hopes to build their version of Android with basically having their own app store and an open infrastructure. And he wants to fork Android so that it becomes, uh, you know, more viable for carriers to use that fork version. Now, he says forking Android is a tricky game. While Amazon has had some success with it, Fire OS on tablets, the Fire phone was a disaster. It's a two OS world, the Android dominating worldwide market share, but iOS very popular. So, um, He's, you know, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to make it happen, but he wants to try to uh, uh, regain control of Android and basically uh, unlock it from some of the Google lockdown or some of the Google deep dive. And uh, I wish him luck on that. I know how I know many of you probably on the purest side and, and are running um, rooted devices and maybe with their uh, with their uh, bootloader. But anyway, pretty good article on PCWorld.com. You know, sometimes China says stuff, and I just scratch my head a little bit. Uh, China has stated that they're going to mine the moon for helium-3 fusion fuel. Um, they're going to start at some point here uh, sending rovers to the moon that will do mining of the surface dirt to extract helium-3 uh, from the surface. <laughs> now, Helium-3 is uh, very, very, very rare here on Earth, largely because most of it doesn't get through. And, um, 
and how it's created is pretty complex, but the surface of the moon has absorbed, I feel, a lot and has many multiples of, uh, of, of um, you know, levels of helium-3. Now, one thing we do know is that we need more helium-3. Our own Department of Homeland Security, for example, had hoped to detect the telltale neutron emission of plutonium smuggled in shipping containers, but was stalled for the lack of affordable helium-3 source in our post-nuclear weapons economy. Getting the precious helium from the moon will undoubtedly be difficult. The realization it will take significant manpower, actual boots on the, oh, they think it's going to take actual boots on the lunar surface, I think for now is inescapable in planning for future missions. Mining, even if it's barely subsurface, will be risky. Robots will have their place for sure, but they cannot replace the versatility, our versatility on the moon if they cannot even replace men at mines here. So I think it's a big, uh, a big, a big reach, but that's what the Chinese want to do. You knew that was going to be happening at some point in the future. There's going to be full mining communities on the moon, and uh, they're going to be getting every ounce of ore and you know, special, you know, all this uh, rare stuff as much as they can to to bring back. But uh, that to me is out there a ways. Also, there's a great story about the how about excuse me. There's a great story about how the government Googled Ross Ulbright. Of course, Ross Ulbright is the guy that's uh, basically on trial right now for the Silk Road drug drug trafficking trial. Um, This guy was so stupid. A federal um, FBI agent found this guy in like 30 minutes. 30 minutes of research in Google. Um, He basically found cross posts. This guy had used the same username on other websites dropped an email once to his actual email address. They got a, a basically dropped the search warrant into his main Gmail account, and it was all over for this dude. Um, this guy wasn't that smart. He tried. He thought he was being slick, but uh, just reading the process that the, uh, the agent went through to find him, 30 minutes is what it took to find this dude via uh, Google and some cross-referencing on some forums and stuff. And uh, he was being extra, extra, extra careful not to be uh, uh, figured out basically who he was. But uh, this again, this guy's going to jail for a long, long time. So continue to watch what's going on there. Well, I think it's a conspiracy because the this latest news out of uh, Washington, D.C. with the drone crash landing at the White House really has my head. I'm really scratching my head because... Late, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning when this thing crashed. Who is flying a drone at 3 o'clock in the morning? You know, come on now. This was a DJI Phantom. It's it's one of the cooler cooler drones out there. And... I don't understand how, well, first of all, who's out flying a drone in the middle of the night? Apparently the guy is fessed up and he's a government employee. This guy is so screwed. First of all, you fly, you fly it at night and it ends up on the White House lawn. You, you, you can't tell me. You can't tell me there wasn't some ill intent there. You know, come on. 
first of all, you've got to be absolute blithering idiot. Absolute blithering idiot to have flown a drone close to the White House. Is there anybody in this audience that think this is going to end well? I don't care if you're a quarter mile away. First of all, why are you flying at 3, 3 o'clock in the morning? Anywhere near the White House, you're going to jail. <laughs> it's a no-fly zone. You don't fly stuff around the White House. You. So the Secret Service has turned this over to the Attorney General to figure out whether or not this dude's going to get prosecuted. But one thing's for sure, if I was a Secret Service, I'd have had that guy interrogated up, down, right, left. Can't believe he actually called and turned himself in. That was uh, surprising in itself. You know, I guess he figured the serial number would be tracked back to him. But uh, holy cow. You know, what, what idiot? You know, like, come on, get a clue. <laughs> well, honey, uh, I'm going to go out. Uh, I'm going to go out to the, you know, out close to the, to the White House. And, and look at the beautiful stars out tonight. A uh, little bit of snow and ice. I'm, I'm going to go fly my drone at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Was this guy drinking? Was he like shot up a tequila or something? <laughs> It really makes you go, hmm, right? First of all, you got this nice, expensive drone. Who's going to fly it in the dark? You know, come on. It's hard enough to fly these things in the daylight, let alone the dark. All right, NASA, though, wants to use drones to lead the way for future Mars rovers. They want them to go out, fly ahead. And uh, I'm, I'm sure this is going to work out well. <laughs> they want a, a small... Automated helicopter, 3.6 feet from blade to blade. And uh, they're going to, they basically feel that these machines could travel three times farther in a given day. And probably true, but how are you going to power these things? <laughs> You're going to land it, let the battery recharge by solar, I guess. It just, uh, I'm just like, okay, um, I'm sure this is going to work out well. <laughs> Flying drones on Mars is next. I'm, not surprised they're thinking about it. Hey, states are threatening to uh, sue the uh, administration over the uh, president's uh, municipal broadband plan. They're saying the FCC doesn't have the authority to preempt state laws limiting municipal broadband projects. So if the U.S. if the U.S. Federal Communication Commission moves to preempt state laws that limit municipal broadband projects, uh, 20 states have already basically came out and said we will go to court and to uh, try to not to have this changed. They don't want state law preempted. And I think the states will have a pretty good fight there. Um, you know, separation of of the uh, government bodies and so forth. So uh, states are not completely helpless in this. Uh, so we'll see where this leads. It could probably end up in the Supreme Court, but uh, time will tell. Also, earnings reports coming out tomorrow for Apple. There's uh, being predictions that they may have sold 73 million iPhones in the last quarter. I would not be surprised. Uh, with iPhone 6 being as popular as it is. Hey, mark your calendars. The Pirate Bay will return on February 1st. So uh, all indications are that it's getting ready to come back online. So just let you know there. 
Microsoft's uh, earnings reports were lifted by cloud products, but profits dropped a little bit. So they had uh, a quarter of $26.6 billion in gross revenue with a net income of $5.86 billion for the quarter, which ended December 31st, down 12% year on year. This is equivalent of a $0.71 cent per share, matching the estimates analysts already had pulled. Office 365 was uh, huge in the revenue category. Microsoft uh, Surface Pro 3 tablet performed well as well. With the company's Surface hardware climb 24% past the $1 billion for the first time, they expect the Xbox platform struggled. However, revenue fell uh, 20% to $703 million thanks to lower console shipments and transition from Xbox 360 to Xbox One. And uh, Microsoft generated $2.3 billion in revenue from a business that did not exist only a year earlier. Their phone hardware, uh, were it not for Nokia's old business, Microsoft would have been poor performing last quarter, at least in terms of sales. So um, anyway, we'll see what Apple has to say tomorrow. We'll talk about that on Thursday's shore show. Shareholders are not upset, are very upset about uh, Larry Allison at Oracle. Um, he's uh, took a 15% pay cut last year, but he still bagged $67.3 million in compensation. Basically, the shareholders are mad that they can't talk to the board, and they've actually filed with the SEC on that. So uh, basically, the uh, because Elson has such a huge uh, percentage of Oracle, yet um, he's got enough power basically to put the hand out to the rest of the uh, shareholders. But anyway, that was his compensation package, $67 million. Lunar X-Price competitors have uh, cashed in $5.25 million for reaching key milestones. But uh, many of them still are, uh, you know, they have to be ready to uh, to launch a lunar. Uh, of course, you know, they don't have to get to the moon. But uh, December 31st, 2016 is the deadline and a shot. Of, oh, excuse me, $30 million in grand prize money. So uh, about five and a quarter million dollars, again, has been given out to uh, folks for hitting specific milestones and imaging and uh, landing technology and a variety of effort stuff that's uh variety of other technologies that have been developed. So uh, uh, cool on that front on independent space development. All right. Uh, let me see here. Let me skip this one. Uh, I already talked about that. Uh, we don't need to cover this. Uber, for those of you on the East Coast, Uber is going to limit service price surge during the East Coast storm. So uh, New York to Boston, Uber is going to basically uh, say, hey, we're not going to put surge pricing in. Uh, none of their cars are going to be on the street. <laughs> I think the only thing that's going to be on the street is a snowplow. And and I just had to share one thing. For those of you on the East Coast, you're, you're going to be stuck in the house tomorrow. If you get as much snow as they say you're going to get, I'm going to give you something to do that's going to be really fun. Um, in 1976 or 77, um, I survived a, a significant blizzard. And it was the funnest time I ever had as a kid because we got these like five, six, seven, eight foot tall snowbanks, and uh, we immediately started building snow forts and snow caves, and we had absolute blast of a time. And uh, I'm gonna just put this link up in the show notes. You guys are gonna have to uh, go out this, you know, next day here and build a snow fort with your kid, and to, to help you out here. The folks at uh, indefinitelywild.gizmodo.com, they give you instructions on how to do so. 
Uh, my only uh, caution to you is that make sure you have a fresh air supply. Don't uh, build something that uh, is going to cause the buildup of CO2 and kill you. Um, so just be aware that 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 could happen if you don't take um, if you don't you basically uh, provide a place for the uh, CO2 to go and that's up and out. So um, anyway, have a lot of fun. Just be safe out there doing it. And they got some instructions on how to build a different type of of snow fort. And I, I'm sure you're going to have fun with the kids. And uh, uh, that is probably the one time as a kid. It's one of those little memories that just kind of stick out there a little bit that I remember from so many years ago. Okay, um, the forgotten story of New York City's first power grid. And you guys would be shocked that Edison's uh, first power grid um, that was uh, basically designed and built in the 1880s continued to be used. Some of it was known uh, used until 2007. The DC system was used as late as 2007 in, in lower Manhattan. So a uh, link will be up in the show notes on this. I think it was over on the east side. But uh, some pretty cool pictures from Gizmodo will have that up for you to, to take a peek at. The ICANN CEO is criticizing domain hoggers. And I would be considered a domain hogger. Um, he's, he's basically not happy with those of us that uh, sit on domains. And, I, and I'm sorry. I thought of it first. I bought it. it it's mine. And if, if I choose to spend the money every year to renew those domains, this is that's my business. Well, you know, and the thing I think about here a little bit is if all the millions of domains that are being sit on, the cyber squatters that have been sitting on domains, if they were to release all those domains and basically put them back out and make them available, not renew them, um, how much money would the ICANN really make? Because the new three, the 300 new extensions have added about $50 million to ICANN's coffers. And uh, we, every year when we renew, um, we, uh, we, we send in money. You know, we send money to GoDaddy and to our variety of different providers, and they have to send a little bit of that money back to ICANN or the TLD, and the TLDs pay ICANN. And uh, so, you know, here's a guy that's complaining about us buying domains. Um, tough, it's my opinion. Tough, tough doo-doo. <laughs> if I'm willing to do pay it, that's my business. There's a good article on shapeof.com, and uh, the title of this is Microsoft, Apple, and Disappointment. And I didn't really talk a lot about the HoloLens announcement from Microsoft because I thought much of that was hocus-pocus. And we may end up with something at some point with the HoloLens, and the demos they gave were cool, but it was mostly CGI. So this guy is a big Mac fan. He basically says that when Apple shows something, it comes to market. Not always, but usually. But when Microsoft shows, shows off something, it doesn't always end up being in the same design or implementation that they demoed. So that's his biggest disappointment is Microsoft making these uh, wild claims. You want to see some wild claims. Come to CES and look at wild stuff. I, you know, we had vendors that were coming and showing, hey, we got this almost production ready, but yet it just came off the 3D printer an hour earlier. Um you know, there's a lot of hocus pocus going on at CES. So tech companies just do that. And uh, I'm not so mad at Microsoft. I'm trying to think think it's great that they're thinking outside the box. But uh, it would be nice 
that if we saw something and that we actually got an implementation technology wise, it was pretty well close to either, uh, to, you know, to what was demoed. Um, then, you know, that's when we can start, you know, standing up and cheering, but, uh, we'll see what Microsoft is able to deliver on the, the HoloLens itself. Hey, NASA's greenlight SpaceX and Boeing to carry crew to the International Space Station in 2017. This is big. Crew and cargo resupply missions will be launched from U.S. soil by 2017 with SpaceX and Boeing both sending rival systems into low Earth orbit from now on. The uh, director of, the, of uh, NASA says, I don't ever want to write another check to Roscosmos after 2017. This is big. So Bowden said that NASA is essentially handing over low Earth orbit operations in the commercial sector and will be concentrating all of its efforts on deep space exploration and planning a route to Mars. Going forward, low-level stuff will be farmed out to Boeing and SpaceX. And uh, here's the thing. SpaceX is offering a per-astronaut level of $58 million a, a launch, while Russians are currently charging 70 So uh, and if SpaceX is able to figure out how to reuse the rocket, more money for SpaceX in the long term. So um, this is going to be cool. Can't wait to see these launches. It's going to happen here, folks. We're actually going to live to see it. All right, Dropcam will give you a free replacement camera if yours is too old. So if you have got an older Dropcam, the Nest-owned company is ditching support for both its original home security cameras and the Echo on April 15th. But it's launching a replacement program that will let you get a Dropcam HD uh, basically for free. Uh, you have to do, oh you have to agree to go on a new subscription plan, the, the one year subscription plan. So basically, um, you're going to pay ninety nine dollars to get a new Dropcam. So be aware of that. I have a link up in the show notes for you to take advantage of it. How many of you use Waz? I use Waz almost every single day, and if you don't use it, you should. But law enforcement thinks Waz. Police alerts are a threat to their safety. I use uh, Waz in Hawaii to basically figure out where the traffic jams are. And occasionally I get to see where a police officer is hanging out with his, uh, you know, his laser radar gun. That's his laser gun. <laughs> and uh, the police are not happy. They're saying, oh, this is, uh, this is causing safety issues for police officers. Well, Google owns Waz. And uh, they're hoping Google will take under serious consideration to disable that feature. I hope they don't. That's a very good feature to keep from getting tickets. Also, you order pizza from Domino's? Well, Domino's Pizza Tracker app arrives for Samsung Smart TVs. So uh, if you're going to order some pizza for the Super Bowl, you can have a little bar on the bottom. It tells you when your uh, order's in the oven, when it's basically uh, went through quality check, and when it's out the door for delivery. A little app that's on the bottom of your screen. So uh, if you're a Domino's fan, you'll be able to implement that for the Super Bowl this coming Sunday. If you're a Marriott user, the Marriott Android app found to have exposed customer credit card. Thank God I didn't load that app. I'd have another security brief. So if you've had the Marriott Android app on your mobile device, it has been exposing customers' credit card data. Be aware. Link will be up in the show notes for you to, uh, to check out. Okay, uh, more news on Google. Google's rumored mobile service. Combination of using Sprint and T-Mobile would hunt for the best available cellular or Wi-Fi signal to route voice text voice text message and data traffic through. The report citing unnamed sources familiar with the plan said Google's wireless offering could be launched in the first half of this year and would likely be available nationwide. However, previously scheduled launches, including one in October 
one in October 2014 had been delayed, and this might be as well. So this is an interesting combo here. So this is an aggressive move if they're using both technologies. So uh, anyway, that's up. We'll have that linked. Okay, Wall Street Journal is reporting Google Fiber is coming to Atlanta, Nashville, and where in North Carolina? Uh, Four cities. It doesn't say it. A rally during North Carolina. Uh, also, Charlotte. So, again, Google Fiber coming to Atlanta, Nashville, and Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, so, that's exciting stuff. If you live in one of those cities, I'm so jealous. Anyway, that's coming. Also, there's OS 10 fix. Uh, apparently, there's a hardware exploit affecting Macs. Uh, that should be available here over the next couple of days. So, I just uh, wanted to let you know that. All right, that's it for tonight. Let me look at what we've got in the email stack. How are we doing on time? And we're just about on time today. And I don't know if we've got any email to go into. Dun, dun, dun. Loading it here. Last show was today is the 26th. The last show was on the 20s. Wow, we're almost at the end of the. It's crazy. The 22nd. Got an email from Jeff. Jeff says, hey, Todd, one Missouri lawmaker wants to make Apple Pay way less convenient. You know, something I saw today, Jeff, um, I was uh, uh, at a meeting. I came out, and there was some folks standing around a Coke machine. And they all had their Apple phones or iPhones up to the Coke machine, and were getting Cokes out of it. And I walked up to him and said, what's going on? He says, they just put this, they just modified this Coke machine and we can use Apple Pay to buy a Coke out of the machine. And I'm like, that's cool. And I got to see one of them buy a Coke out of the, out of the Coke machine with Apple Pay. First time I've ever seen in the United States, someone able to actually pay for something out of a vending machine with their mobile device. And, you know, I had, you know, I, I tweeted it because I'd seen in, in Japan, you can buy beer, you can buy, um, um, just about anything you'd find in a drugstore um, that was over the counter, um, cigarettes, uh, sodas, candy, all. I mean, Japan's got great vending machines, and you can pay for everything with your cell phone. It's been you've been able to do that for like twenty years. <laughs> At least it feels like twenty years. And finally, here I saw it for the first time today. But uh, anyway, Jeff, uh, this. Uh, this lawmaker that wants to make Apple Pay way less convenient, obviously that guy needs to find a new job. <laughs> and I have the link up uh, in the show notes. All right, that's it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I know we got some people on the live stream tonight. Thanks for hanging out with me, staying up late. Definitely appreciate it. We've been live at live.geeknewcentral.com. Not everyone's on the chat room that's in the live stream. But uh, see Jason and Dale have been chit-chatting back and forth. I want to thank you guys for, for hanging. Dale is one of our, uh, our our super contributors to the show, and uh, definitely appreciate his ongoing stuff. And Dale, yes, your your uh, your warrior stick is coming. <laughs> but uh, everyone, thanks for being here, and thanks for tuning in. Um, I'll be back with you on Thursday for another show. Uh, make sure you come to the site often at geeknewcenter.com. Lots of great content being put up right now by the team members. And uh, if you see something you like on the website, definitely leave a comment. 
because the writers will get uh, the email notification of the of the comment if you like the write up that they've done. Because you know, I give them the videos, they watch them, they write them, so it's all independently written by the team, and uh, so you get their perspective along with the interview perspective. So definitely uh, tune in, get subscribed to the special media feed if you feel that we're worthy. And that you feel like supporting the show, geeknesscenter.com forward slash insider is the place to support uh, this site, this show, uh, financially to allow us to do what we do. And uh, again, ongoing thank you for supporting my sponsor, GoDaddy, because literally without this coming in the mail, um, things would uh, get difficult around here. So I definitely appreciate your ongoing support of our main sponsor, GoDaddy.com. All right, everyone, take care. We'll see you next time. We'll see you on Thursday. Everyone take care. Aloha.